Hey everyone, this is Jamie Bateman. Real quickly, I wanted to share with you something uh, that's been pivotal in the growth and success of my businesses, and that is my partnership with Haven Financial Services. Um, I've been working with Haven for over a year now. Christine Valdez was on episode 70 of this podcast. So go check that out if you want to hear her story. It was a fantastic personal story for sure. But Haven has been awesome. They provide me with monthly reports that are super clear and discernible. And it, that provides me with clarity and focus so that I can do what I do best, which is running my businesses, not preparing financial reports. Um, again, if you're in the market for a top-notch financial service company, uh, or if you just want to check one out, go to www.jamiebateman slash Haven and check out Haven Financial Services. Again, that's jamiebateman slash Haven. I uh, can't recommend them enough. Christine and her team have been fantastic. So I definitely recommend you check out Haven Financial Services at www.jamiebateman forward slash Haven. Let's get back to the show. This episode is with Phil Catchadall. He is a celebrity personal trainer and entrepreneur. We jump right in and talk about a lot of the adversity that Phil has faced from a personal standpoint. Uh, when he was three years old, he was diagnosed with leukemia. And this was in the 90s when uh, leukemia was, uh, not that it's not serious now, but um, it ha had a much uh, lower survival rate uh, if you were diagnosed with leukemia back then. So that was very, very challenging, a very challenging time period for him. And we also talk about how his father... Uh, lost his life unexpectedly as well when Phil was 11 years old. So those two major events had a major impact on his life. And we walked through how he dealt with that. He's also been through a divorce and hit rock bottom financially after he was really doing well financially. We talk a lot. We, we check all the boxes in this one as far as adversity goes, health, relationship, and finances. Um, but we do spend some time on his abundance story and the, the abundance part of his story and what he's doing now and how, how he's made some very intentional moves. Uh, geographically, he actually is, uh, was born in Canada and now, and then, uh, later moved to the U S and now lives in Atlanta. And we talk about why he lives in Atlanta. Um, and you know, how he's been very intentional with his time. Um, you know, when you've been through something, some health challenge like that, you tend to, really value your time and your life. And so he's, he's an inspiration for sure. Um, he also used to be Mormon and is no longer, uh, religious in his own words. So that's an interesting part of the discussion as well. I know you're going to enjoy this one. Um, you know, health and fitness relates is so important for all of us, whether we're entrepreneurs or not. And, uh, it, this is, this is not an episode you're going to want to miss. Welcome to the From Adversity to Abundance podcast. Are you an entrepreneur or aspiring entrepreneur? Then this show is for you. Each week, we bring you impactful stories of real people who have overcome painful human adversity to create a life of abundance. A life of abundance. You are not alone in your struggle. Join us and you will experience the power of true stories and gain practical knowledge from founders who have turned poverty into prosperity and weakness into wealth. This podcast will encourage you through your health, relationship, and financial challenges so you can become the hero in your quest for freedom. 
Take ownership of the life you are destined to live. Turn your adversity into abundance. All right, here's the deal. You work hard for your money. Isn't it about time you put your money to work for you? If you are an accredited investor, check out labradorlending.com. Our Integrity Income Fund provides monthly cash flow from an investment backed by hard physical real estate. Our income fund, which is uncorrelated to publicly traded stocks and bonds, invests in first lien mortgage notes diversified by geography, property value, and borrower type. So you're not investing in one project. You're investing in a diversified portfolio of first lien mortgage notes. Our Integrity Income Fund aims to pay its investors monthly distributions at a preferred rate of return of 8% annually. Possibly the best part though, the fund showcases a short 12 month commitment. So you can invest your capital today and have access to that capital in one year. Check it out today, labradorlending.com. Welcome everybody to another episode of the From Adversity to Abundance podcast. I am your host, Jamie Bateman. And I'm pumped today to have with us Phil Cachudal. And I say pumped because we're going to talk about getting our pump on. Uh, Phil, how are you doing today? I'm doing excellent. Thank you so much for having me, Jamie. Absolutely. I couldn't help the uh, the dad joke there. Well, I think the, the, the listener has no idea what I'm talking about yet, but they will soon. Uh, Phil, who are you and, and what are you up to today? Uh, yeah, so uh, Phil Cachadal, originally it's Cachadal, it's French, but I, Jamie's like, how do we say that? I'm from Montreal, <laughs> but um, I live in Atlanta and uh, been in America for 18 years. Went to college, got married, never came home. I am a celebrity personal trainer, but uh, there's no, I am proud of that title. I'm a personal trainer, but I always like to put the caveat. I'm, like, I'm not just a meathead. I have multiple <laughs> degrees. I speak many languages. I have many businesses. And yeah. the truth of the matter is I'm a personal trainer because I love health and people and because I'm an entrepreneur through and through since I was 12 years old, knocking on doors, selling lemons and apples. I mean, I've just <laughs> had, the, had the hustle. Yeah, and, that's awesome. Yeah, that's yeah, my that's, uh, health love and it. fitness guy. Yeah, love not it. definitely not all uh, personal trainers are, are meatheads. Um, even if you have a, a meathead streak in, in you, that there's a... Uh, to be successful, you got to be got to be smart as well. I can tell you that I, when I was in college, I had no idea what I wanted to major in, and ended up doing a sports management degree, which sounds maybe um, not all that you know intellectual, but I can tell you that the sports side was actually much more challenging than the management side. So it consisted of a lot of like kinesiology, anatomy, physiology, whereas the management was business courses that were frankly easier. So um, yeah, I, I hear you uh, on that front. I, I should have just stuck with the business management, to be honest with you. <laughs> um, but anyway. I did political science as an undergrad, so you never know what you're going to do. There you do. go. Where you're yeah, go. absolutely. That was, that, that was a long time ago. And yeah, absolutely. Let's Speaking of, you know, a long time ago, let's get into your backstory, Phil. I know before we hit record, you and I were talking a little bit. I know you've been through a whole lot of adversity. Um, you know, our our podcast is from adversity to abundance, and it sounds like on some level you you kind of check all you know all the boxes as far as the categories that we often talk about on this show. 
Um, so let's jump back into your your childhood and and talk about some of that adversity you you went through. Absolutely. So, yeah, I was I was the baby. I'm the youngest of four, and parents, you you're used to what you think you know. Same as in business and friendships and relationships. I'm the fourth kid. They just think, oh, everything's fine. I'm good. And then I just kept getting sick and sicker and sicker. And then around two and a half, I'd been sick continuously for three weeks. And my mom's like, something's not right. This is not just a cold. Brings me in pretty much instant diagnosis after lab tests. They confirmed I had leukemia. Um, and this was in the wow. early 90s. So it was still kind of those flip a coin. Uh, you know, I got to use Make-A-Wish Foundation. And so I'm very active in helping with a lot of work mm. for them because they mm-hmm. gave me a wish as a child. It was kind of, um, I was one of the only kids in my unit in the Montreal Children's Hospital who made it. And one of my best friends died in the bed next to me. It's just like, wow. There's never a time where cancer is fine, but childhood leukemia, thankfully, now is one of the most treatable and curable ones. Yeah. But uh, here I am, you know, 30 plus years later, married, four kids. But I mean, that shaped my life. I knew everything about my my blood tests. I got lumbar punctures, transfusions, chemotherapy. And it later in life was something that I would frequently look back to. And I'm like, why am I so different? Not, not in a bad way, but like, why do I think yeah. different? And then through therapy and stuff, realizing, oh my gosh, it's this whole perspective of, I do know that you can die at any time. yeah, And I do know what it's like to have no health or be bald in the kindergarten photos. Mm. And then, so I beat it. I'm getting all better. I'm playing hockey like a good Canadian boy. And (laughs) then when I was 11, my father, who was the risk manager for Alcan Aluminum, which I think Alco, Rio Tinto bought, but he's, you know, businessman and traveled around the world he ended up getting diagnosed and passing away very quickly with lung cancer. This from a guy who never smoked or drank a drop of alcohol in his life. And it was pretty wow. in 46 peak of his life business. They asked him to be VP, take over all these things. So by 12 years old, I'd lost my father. I'd been through cancer myself. I was now in this role of trying to help my mom at home and my other siblings and uh, it wow. absolutely shaped my life. I would wish it on no one. Sometimes you're like, Hey, how come you're this way or this way? I'm like, yeah, I can tell you why, but I don't think you would want to yeah. have the life experiences that brought me there, but right. it absolutely shaped every bit of who I am today. No, that's, and that's a, that's a really interesting point that we do visit sometimes on this show is, is the fact that yes, it is the adversity that, that the, the guest has been through that shaped them and that created a lot of a lot of the reasons they they're now living in abundance. And so, you know, but what we're trying to do is not necessarily seek out that adversity, right? We obviously don't, we don't want to what you had to go through. Like, let's be, let's be real. Right. Um, but we want to learn from your story and we want to be inspired by your story. And so that's the point of the the podcast. So, um, I appreciate, appreciate you being vulnerable about that. And it, so as far as your own leukemia, was that like, um, how long did that, go on? How how long were you dealing with that? Yeah. So three, like two and a half, about three, like I said, yeah, it was kind of an immediate diagnosis and all right, let's try this protocol, which back then it was kind of like a, a couple years into being, seeing if that was the most effective. And it turns out that's now the standard. So like I got, I see, I got insanely lucky in that this, mm. this specific chemo drugs and the lumbar punctures and transfusion and what they did mm-hmm. is now, you know, more than that 90%. And okay. I had ALL, there are types of leukemia, but from three to five, it was kind of, okay, is he in remission? Is it, It's kind of iffy. And yeah. then five to eight, I still have to go every few months, get tests, my white blood cells and platelets um, still 
are lower than the average human all these years later. Like there's certain mm-hmm. things in my body that will probably always be that way. And I, you know, have my port mm-hmm. scar, but yeah, three to five, it was two years mm-hmm. of life or death and then three more wow. years of treatment. And the further you get out from any type of cancer, the mm-hmm. remission rate, it decreases when you get to five years, mm-hmm. they come they don't like to use the word cured, but that's when they basically say, come back once a year, get blood tests. You're a normal person now. Got um, it. I see. And they almost label you as, I say normal person I, yeah. in a yeah. weird way. kind of give you that label, like return to normal life. And right. you just, sure. you go forward hoping to never look back, but you, sure. you of course, always look over your shoulder and have an insecurity of, will it yeah. be back? No, right. But you never know. Well, and like you already alluded to with, with your father, I mean, it's even if, if someone didn't get, have to have to go through that painful time that you went through the challenging time with the diagnosis and the treatment and everything, you're reminded through someone else that's very close to you that it could happen to any of us. Right. Um, so speak about that. You said you were 11, I believe when your father uh, passed away, would you, would you mind speaking about what that, you know, how that impacted you and your family? Yeah, so I was I was 11, so my sister was would have been 13 and 19 and my brother 16 and my dad came home and I guess unbeknownst to us my mom who's just like superwoman and has been through it all and is just this optimistic strong one holding everything together. She's mm-hmm. also not a nurse, but very medically inclined because of what I went through. She just learned everything sure. you could Sure, learn. sure. Yeah. She's spent her life since then helping people, but she noticed my dad would he was kind of having memory lapses uh, of mm. weeks or like, Hey, remember yesterday? And it was a week ago or two weeks ago. And she's like, something's not right. Wow. So she went in with him and it was lung cancer, but it had, I guess my dad, he was like a bodybuilder, a runner, a businessman, like honestly did everything that mm. we'll talk about on the pie. Did everything <laughs> right you can do uh-huh. still guarantees nothing. Right. Sure. Did everything. And we grew up Mormon, like never drank, never smoked, mm-hmm. just, yeah, he would be fixing someone's roof, cutting trees down with his bear. Like, but he was an old school man's man, so he probably yeah. had symptoms for a long time that he brushed off. Sure, he yeah. just thought he was tired and thought he had a bad cough because he had asthma as a kid. Like he was like, mm-hmm. oh, I don't. Long story yeah. short, it, it was everywhere. It started as lung cancer, but it was metastasized. They said, frankly, they were surprised he was alive. They gave him like two months to live. Um, wow. And made wow. a promise to all the kids. He said, "I'm going to make one more birthday for each of you." <laughs> and he started with my older sister all the way around to my younger sister on October 19th. That's her birthday, and he passed away October 21st. He made it all the way, every promise. Wow. And then slipped into a coma the next day, died two days later. So, wow. I mean, wow. a testament to the power of will. Like his body literally, because he said he was going to. <laughs> wow, that's. Uh... Quite, quite an emotional roller coaster that obviously we're, you know, I, I mentioned briefly before we hit record that, you know, we're not trying to use anyone's pain as a commodity. And, and there is a risk here of just glossing over, you know, some real serious pain that that people have gone through. And so that's not the intent. So I appreciate you uh, sharing yeah. that and being being vulnerable. One thing that has struck me now as a father of four kids, and you get into the finances and this, yeah. but my, my father, again, who was the healthiest Man, and no one in this family previous to him had lung cancer. Uh, ironically, they were all smokers and he was not. And they were just like, they lived until 90 and they were like, we joked they were too mad to die, like old, angry French people. from, And they were just like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, just, right, right. My dad had amazing life insurance and he started it when he was 21. And oh, wow. he had no foresight, but 
literally the only reason any of us made it and my mom was able to be okay. We still had to work and everything, but I believe he had a you know $2 million insurance policy. Wow. No statistic in the world would have ever predicted sure. this man would die. Yeah. And he's the reason it got, it sent us to college. It got us jobs. It wow. paid off my mom's house. Like him right. being a, a good man and a good business, yeah, a man, good steward of his, of the resources he was given. Right. And, yeah. And, there's no way anyone would have ever been like, oh, you need life insurance. He just thought it was the responsible thing. $20 a month, if anything happens, my family's safe. Sure. And uh, we've always just talked about how it, it's one of those things that if you can set yourself yeah. up early, you invest early in life insurance and in retirement and anything, you don't know. Absolutely. You think you know, and you don't know. And he saved us without, uh, you know, ironically, he saved us when he went somehow. Sure. Yeah. No, that's... Uh... That's that's fantastic. That not that you had to deal with that, but that he had the foresight and the, like you said, was responsible enough with the the resources he was provided to look out for his family and then provide for them for for you all. So, kudos to him for that. Um, yeah, you just you just never know. Uh, that's uh, I had a, a fitness trainer who's now now owns a bunch of gyms. Um, Nate Costa I had him on the show um, a while back. And he had a surprise diagnosis of uh, liver cancer um, very recently. And the guy, I mean, he's probably had three beers in his entire life, I think he said, and doesn't even, I don't think he ever takes ibuprofen or anything. He's just like Mr. Natural, you know, um, super fit and, um, you know, faced that that diagnosis. He He's he's fine now. He's got a huge scar from the the surgery. But um, you just never know. And then his, his, I think his, uh, you know, some of his family members have uh, drink and do the things you're not supposed to do. And they're, you know, they've never had that diagnosis. So um, I think uh, he, <laughs> somebody joked that, that you, that you have to, uh, the reason um, Nate got that diagnosis was that he, he didn't work out his liver enough. So you know, through, through drinking alcohol, <laughs> no, but, reps no reps, on, not enough reps on his liver, but, I recommend the listener go back and listen to that one. That was a fantastic episode. But, but Phil, so from 11 on, walk us through the rest of your story. I know that's not the end of the adversity that you, uh, unfortunately, that you have had to deal with. Yeah. So, um, like I said, it, it's interesting because I'm no longer um, Mormon or Latter day Saint. I'm not really of any faith, but it, you are shaped by your upbringing. So, I grew up in a sure. very industrious house. Like, get as much education as possible, work very hard, be kind to your neighbor. And there was like two Mormons in all of Montreal and we were them. Uh, so <laughs> it was also funny being such a standout, but it was good because I was, uh, you know, I was popular in high school, but also mm -hmm. I was jokingly bullied because like I was, I started working out because my dad was very, you know, healthy and buff. I'm like, I want to be a man. And to me, masculine meant big and buff and Arnold sure. Schwarzenegger. So I was, I've been getting pumped up since I was 14 and bodybuilding and all that. But yeah, I kind of walked life always having a good sense of self. When I was Mormon, I went to high school. I'm like, oh, I don't drink and I don't, yeah. you know, have sex or marriage, all these things that now like I do these things. But the point is being it gave me a good sense of self, like who I was and that I had sure. values in, in an age, um, not only a time period of like 90s, early 2000, but also in an age of being a teenager where everyone was like, who am I? What do I stand yeah. for? Like, Oh, absolutely. Ha having, values, even though they're not the same values or things that I align with now. Yeah. Having a direction, like I had goals, I had things I wanted to hit. So I wanted to take care of my mom. I wanted to be a businessman, all of these things. So sure. 
working out, working out, uh, even to the point where, for example, the customs, uh, you know, please don't come get me uh, ice. But for example, I was lifting weights and getting buff and supplements in Canada are so mm-hmm. much more expensive, mm. creatine and all those things. Yeah, yeah. And not, not only are they way more expensive and the tax is higher, but most of the brands, you can't get them. So we had a little lake cabin in upstate New York. So I would get uh-huh. hundreds of pounds of protein and creatine as a 15-year-old <laughs> kid. I would drive it across the border after staying for like three days over the weekend. And I was selling protein to my friends in high school and like personal training them. And then I was getting the new supplements you couldn't get from uh, right, anywhere right. in Canada. The labels weren't <laughs> in French. So I was, unbeknownst to me, I was harnessing my uh, my entrepreneurial spirit at sure. the same time as building clientele and business. And many of these people have become, uh, I trained the guys who own Just Co, um, M Immobilier. It's one of the fastest growing um, real estate companies in Canada. Mm. Okay. And they, my high school friends who would weightlift with me and I was the, getting them creatine, protein and training them like, hey, Phil. And now they're coming back to me in my high-end ticket packages, asking for training for them or to come do corporate wellness or to help with their dad or all these things. Right, right. So, gotcha. yeah, my my kind of whole career, um, essentially from eleven onwards, was lifting weights, training, yeah. using all of the skills of communication, conversation. Uh, yeah. I did do the Mormon mission, so I knocked on doors and yeah, the, the, man, I, what again? Nothing will nothing will prepare you in life than knocking mm-hmm. on doors, selling religion, having them smash it in your face. So <laughs> sure. I'm a happy person, but I was able to cultivate thick skin because yeah. I was like, oh, you can, tell me, you can tell me no all day, but I know what I'm doing. Sure. And so I took that mindset, like I've been through cancer, I've looked death in the eye, I've lost someone and I've just learned, like there's no shortcuts. Anyone who's pushing off emotions, pretending bad stuff doesn't happen, it, it's going to hit you, buddy. Yeah, and so, absolutely. Like, therapy, exercise, taking care of myself, having good yeah. friends, having good food, but my career basically built itself. I was always training, always building a business. Uh-huh. I went to college. I went to grad school, did an MBA, did all the things. And I was training the whole time. I never was not personal training, but in uh-huh. my brain, I'm like, I have, I have to be a businessman and I have to work for yeah. a fortune 500 company. I lasted three weeks at Thomson Reuters after my MBA. Well, by okay. the way, I, I was, I was married at 21 and I had three kids and an MBA by 25, even with a two-year mission. I mean, I lived life on accelerated. Wow. Uh, that's, that's pretty crazy. hardcore. Absolutely. But, yeah. But I so, loved it. so, so the training, the, the training was not ever going to be your focus. I mean, it was your focus for your yourself and, and kind of a, a, a passion project, if you will. I mean, you know, but, 100%. but you were going to be a business person, right? hundred percent. The training was my passion. I loved it. And I loved helping right. people do it. My goals were to buy my mom a house in England to make sure my kids were set up all of these financial goals mm-hmm. that yeah. I didn't possibly by being just a trainer quote. Right. Quote, you know? right. Right. Sure. I kept pushing up, even though, even though I knew other people had done it and were successful millionaire trainers, even though it sure. was my passion, even though I loved it. Every sign pointed to you should do this, but my brain was like, you're smart. You have to be an academic guy. You have to run yeah. a business thing. Yeah. I went to Thomson Reuters. I got recruited. I lasted three weeks. And essentially I was like, if I work 10 times harder than this guy, I get yeah. the same pay. I have right. to be a slave to the job. There's this corporate ladder to be 20 years to be the boss. 
What sure. if I want to go take kids on vacation next week? Like nothing about the parameters of the corporate life. Yeah. We're yeah. okay with me because my my value set was life is short, life is sure. beautiful, you never know what's gonna happen. So yeah. don't want you can't waste I don't your time to be contained. And Absolutely. It, it was money is part of it, but it was more the time. I wanted to do what I wanted when sure. I wanted to time freedom and control of your day and your schedule. Yeah. You might so alive. <laughs> yes. Um now speak about cuz this is always an interesting topic and and with most of this stuff there's there's not one right answer right it's not there's not always one size fits all but with your uh experience and looking back at how you made your career decisions um how would you speak to the the say budding entrepreneur out there or maybe maybe someone has a w2 and they they have a side hustle as a as a personal trainer just as an example should that person again you don't know their situation it depends we get that but what would you say regarding following your passion versus following the opportunity or chasing the dollars if you will because um you know i have my own opinion but i love to hear what you have to say well i think that's a very important question and i i i'm a very responsible person and I do think you should chase your dreams and your passions, but I think the people who just like throw caution to the wind, that's a great type of person, like highly risk-abled, non-risk-averse people. Yeah. I always joke, that's me if I'm not married with kids. I can eat ramen <laughs> and sacrifice anybody forever sure. for myself. You throw right. my wife and kids in the mix, my risk tolerance comes down 80%. Sure. So I lasted three weeks at Thomson Reuters. I entered mm-hmm. this men's health competition and I talked to my then wife, now ex-wife, but still best friend. And we have houses, six houses apart on the same oh, wow. street. Oh, wow. Have this beautiful coexisting family. But we'll get into that. But yeah, basically, I was like, hey, I want to become a celebrity trainer, move to LA. I think I can make it. I want to make it in the movies. And then I want to take that money and have pro bono work for the unhoused and for people with cancer. Like I'm like, basically, I want to train really rich people mm-hmm. who can then pay for us good life so that I can mm-hmm. also help people for cancer and all these things that I care about. Got it. And to her credit, she's like, let's do it. This is your dream. Like I gave up the <laughs> six figure salary. So we move 25, three kids, not knowing anything, moved to LA, which is not a cheap city. But again, no. I'm thinking, okay, this is my dream. I'm going to go for it, but I have right. bills to pay. I have money to feed. So I had parlayed my good communication skills or so I thought over LinkedIn <laughs> to uh, to becoming a lobbyist for renewable energy with Bob okay. Burke, who was this absolutely amazing mentor figure, still remains so in my life. He'd been on uh, like Hillary Clinton, uh, like early days. And uh, I mean, he he was in the Carter, Jimmy Carter administration. Uh-huh. And he has photos with Mandela, like this man ran a wow. Swiss bank. The, the things Bob Burke has done. And he's like, okay, you can work with me. So I would train trying to get clients online six till 9am and then put on a suit and change at the gym and go to the lobbying job. And I did that for about six months until my training business became so busy that I told Bob, I said, I value you immensely. And I, and he was looking for me to take over his business as he retired a guaranteed income of $2 million over three years. And I turned it down because as much as I loved him, I hated the job. I hated that I was <laughs> my family. I hated the schmoozing, even though for renewable sure. energy, it's better than like oil or something. But mm-hmm. my heart wasn't in it. And I'd already done that. I already did that with the last job. I knew I had to be in training. Yeah. So I told sure. and then, you know, gracious as he was, he's like, that's okay. And then he became one of my clients and I trained him. <laughs> there you go. Nice. It's a testament to him 
caring more about me. And yeah. he did mention, he's like, you're going to crush it at that. And so, yeah. So yeah. some people would say training all in, I had to have a job to pay yeah, a little bit of a, sure. Follow it you, right. So I could save. Yeah. And again, I, there is no one size fits all. I, I took seven years. I went part-time at my W2 for seven years while I built my, my businesses. And so I, and then I just ripped off the bandaid last year, but, um, it, it, I probably, without a family, I almost, I, I know for sure I would have done the jumped, uh, done the leap a lot earlier for sure. Um, you know, so it does depend on the situation does depend on your, your personality and, and your goals, of course. But one thing I noted was even though you were following your passion, you were still focused on others you know, you, you know, some people say, well, follow your passion and you won't work a day in your life or do something you love. You won't work a day in your life. Okay. That sounds good. But if you're literally only focused on your passion and you, and what makes you happy, I think at some point that you, you, you hit a brick wall and you're, you, there's a, there's a ceiling there with regard to how much money you're going to make, how successful you're going to be and really how happy you're going to be. You know, it's Absolutely. not until you end up serving others and focusing on others this is my opinion. It, you know, not, nothing wrong with following your passion, but I think you do end up, you're going to go a lot further if, if you, you can parlay your passion into serving others. So I guess that's a long-winded way of saying, you know, make a Venn diagram with your passion, things you're interested in, and the other circle is things that are going to pay you well and pursue that, what, whatever's in the middle. Um, this is my, just my two cents. No, I love that. It just, it made me think of a story. So um, I, I hear what you're saying about all of those kind of those isms and those different metaphors or those, Hey, work a day. I mean, do what you mm -hmm. love. You'll never work a day. I, I do mm -hmm. understand the sense. The right. one that personally has resonated the most for me is do a job that you would do for free. And sure. so for example, there are clients who, who I just had such a connection with and yeah. then they would have some financial problem or something like, hey, I can't train for the next month because uh, my wife is sick or I lost my job. And I'm like, well, I love my job and I now love you as a person. Like, let's just keep training. You can get me back later. Mm. And that's awesome. I did. That. I, not everyone took me up on it, whether for mm. guilt or too nice, but but many people did. And they were very like, I can't believe you're doing this. Mm. And I was like, and they would be like, hey, listen. I appreciate it. I need this. So thank you. But if someone coming along is going to pay you, please be honest and replace my spot. You know, mm. story short, two of those people that I ended up helping out for free for totally different reasons. One was a health mm -hmm. diagnosis was financial. Mm -hmm. Both of those people ended up bringing me celebrity clients that made <laughs> my whole career that got me a wow. book deal that were then wow. able to say this type of guy that trained me for free for four months or for eight months or who charged me 20 bucks an hour instead of 200 an hour. Like, right. And I, That's and awesome. it wasn't, I wasn't thinking I was being a good Samaritan. I wasn't trying to, I didn't even think I was being altruistic or anything. I'm just like, mm -hmm. if I have an hour of time, I'd rather spend it with you than alone. It was yeah, honestly yeah. kind of I selfish. Move. Their <laughs> yeah. Or to the, like, I don't want to, um, you know, rain on Dave Ramsey's parade, but the constant, constant, don't buy a coffee, make your own coffee. Yeah. For me, who is a super, super networking, super connector extrovert. Mm -hmm. I hate that. I've made, I have made hundreds of thousands <laughs> of dollars yeah. from clients that I met talking to at coffee. Now, co if you just mm -hmm. get coffee, say hi to no one and you leave, right. 
Sure. Chances are you're wasting your money. Well, not yeah. wasting, but nothing's going to happen. If you get yeah. your coffee, you say, how's the day? You talk to the person at the bar. I have gotten innumerable clients, made business mm. deals, have a business partner from yeah. talking to people while getting coffee that I would never <laughs> meet at home. So the That's same awesome. the same reality in the same scenario can yeah. be good for one person, but yeah. bad for another person. There's no True. one size fits all, like you're saying, but Absolutely. if you know what your skill set is, you can find it and you can make it work. Absolutely. I love that. Everything you just said. Um, so talk to us, pick up your story as far as you mentioned uh, your ex-wife. So obviously you went through some relationship uh, <laughs> challenges. Let's, yeah, let's, let's pick it up there. And, and from a personal standpoint, walk back through up until today, if you would, I know there, I know there's, there's a lot to cover there, but walk us back uh, yeah. kind of, yeah, go, we'll go back and so yeah, I'm 35 years old, uh, married, divorced, remarried, three kids from my first marriage, uh, and one child now, and my wife now is my high school girlfriend and it all came full circle. But so yeah, 21, get home from my Mormon mission, get married. Yeah. yeah five months later, you know how that works. And, uh, so we yeah, have, right. we have our good life. We move to LA. I start to become a trainer. Um, essentially we unmormon and start to realize mm. that we are different people and mm. don't have as much in common, the kind of glue that was our mm. ritual and tradition. And it was a decision mm. we made mutually, but it affected mm. us both very differently. Mm. Gotcha. Even, even when couples know divorce is the right choice for them, uh, mm. it's still terrible. You still love each sure. other, still painful. There's still anger, bitterness, resentment, everything, but uh, yeah. So, you know, I was heartbroken, but we both had a role to play in all of it. Things happened, mistakes were made, questions, yeah. am I without religion, sexuality questions for mm. for all of us, just going through the rigmarole of everything and also both mm -hmm. just realizing we'd never been alone and me being like, am I being a selfish asshole or what? Like, <laughs> you know, yeah. so much yeah. personal stuff. And when you get married at 21 and have kids and all this, you also, uh, I'm not saying what's right or wrong for anyone, but I certainly... Mm -hmm had grown a lot in certain ways, but needed to grow in other ways. And mm -hmm. I would have done a lot yeah. that was different that I didn't know at the time. Sure. That yeah. being, that being said, um, we had, we were, we had been doing quite well and we were ready to buy a house in LA. Mm -hmm. And I forget the exact statistic, but basically like they say, divorce cuts your net worth, not only in half, mm -hmm. but then expenses and all this. Mm -hmm. Long yeah. story short, we're going from being able to buy a house in LA, which is very expensive Absolutely. Uh, to, to, you know, six figures in debt because I was paying now for two houses, two lives, two cars um, yeah. of my own free will. I was, we didn't go to court. We did it all together, mm -hmm. but we had raised kids together and we had chosen together that I mm -hmm. was going to make the money and she was going to stay at home. Mm -hmm. Well, you throw a woman who has missed seven, eight years in the career yeah. field. She's like, sure. won't make right. as much money. I won't make as much money as it will take to pay a nanny. And the world, I got to say, just screws over women, screws over single moms, mm. screws over mm -hmm. women getting divorced mm -hmm. in a ridiculous way. So mm -hmm. I had to make up that stuff. So paying for yeah. two houses in LA, two cars in LA, daycare wow. in LA. So I went from I went from the top of the world to yeah. absolute credit card debt, line of credit debt, borrow money from my mom debt. I mean, hmm. just wow. humbled by feeling like I'm a celebrity trainer. I've been on TV. I know all these famous people. And... Yeah, it took a long time to dig out of that, but yeah, I was heartbroken, lonely, and without money, trying to figure out how to start over. Um, wow, and that's, it sucked. 
I yeah, there's so much there. You've, you've like I said, you've checked all the boxes as far as health <laughs> and uh, uh, relationship and and financial. So what what was from a financial perspective? What what was rock bottom? You you just mentioned it, but I mean, how long were you in yeah. that rock bottom phase, and what did that look like? It, I wish it were linear, but like I pay, I paid out, I worked my ass off and then she was able to get a job. The kids grew up when they were quite babies and toddlers and it wasn't as much needed, you know, mm-hmm. but I would pay off 50 grand in debt, but then I would try to get a new place. And my credit score was too low because it hadn't been bumped up from the, mm-hmm. it, like mm-hmm. I, I paid it off, but the score didn't reflect it yet. And I'm like, yeah, I yeah. can't live in this, you know, like, and just feeling guilty and feeling like I wasn't a good enough dad or that I wasn't providing or that mm-hmm. like maybe we got divorced and I failed and it's my fault. You know, so many mm-hmm. self-doubts. Sure. Yeah. But then on top of feeling the, the crushing responsibility of, well, not only do I have to pay all this off, but then right. I have to get ahead. And right. so then I did a terrible thing, which, you know, everyone does, but I feel like men in that situation tend to do more, which is I'm like, well, I can just outwork everybody. So sure. I worked my ass off training like 14 hours a day and I got in Bitcoin early and I was trading cryptocurrency and I was doing <laughs> okay. this on the side and getting commission. I mean, I had like five streams of income mm. and you do that for a time. And then I got kidney stones and I got everything. Mm. I wasn't sleeping. I mean, like I was literally killing myself and I don't mm. know what the appropriate amount of work is mm. because I don't yeah. regret it. I'm happy. I'm happy. I learned my lesson the first time. Right. But I, I dug myself out from sheer grit um, yeah. I probably could have learned earlier on to delegate or to hire mm-hmm. an assistant. I've had sure. a personal assistant over the last two years uh-huh. and pay, paying her her wage yeah. to relieve. I would pay her her wage to relieve my stress alone. But she's actually like tripled my income because I can mm-hmm. rest and think more clearly. Like, yeah. It only was one. It was one month of a net loss. And every month since month since month one has made more income by having help than not having help. Yeah, that's awesome. And yeah, well, hopefully she doesn't do listen to this. Before. If she listens to this, she's, <laughs> she's going to demand a, a raise. Um, <laughs> no, you're absolutely right. It, it, just that space, you know, to be able to think strategically or reflect and you know, and make, yeah, and basic rest. human thing. Absolutely. It took me five years. Your question. It took me five years to get out of that hole. It wow. was not overnight. Gotcha. So we're talking mid to late twenties is what you're talking about. Or? Yeah. I mean like 20, 28 to 32 gotcha. was going from sky high yeah. to rock bottom back yeah. to functioning good income with no debt. Yeah. And it's only really been the last two, three years where business has exploded all yeah. in fact to me finally asking for help and getting people to help me and giving up. I'm like, I can't do it on my own. And then when I finally <laughs> let go of the control, Boom, yeah, help everywhere. Well, that's a fantastic thing to drill into a uh, topic besides your personal assistant. In what other ways have you asked for help that have benefited you? Yeah, so my my wife now, again, my my uh, high school girlfriend, we yeah. reconnected five years ago, just totally randomly. She was in LA and it just, the old flame came back. Our son's <laughs> two and a half now. She's a marketing genius and she's worked for uh, Adidas and all these big companies. Mm-hmm. I had not, I had not had good experiences working with family or friends in the past. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so I was very resistant to her help. And I was like, babe, yeah. I love you. We'll do separate things. I just don't want to work with you. And yeah. I don't like you tell me marketing ideas for social media or for funnels or how to run all my stuff. And rather than listening, I was just like, you might be right, 
but I just like, I don't want to even open the door. Yeah. It's too much risk to your, to your relationship. Everything's great. We're good. Like, let me do the thing. And then she was just killing it. And then everything was going great in, in her life and everything. I'm like, you know what? Like, she's so smart. I trust her with everything. Like, why am I not asking for help? So, Mm -hmm. you know, I can do all these things you're paying agencies money for, and they were not even doing a good job. So she totally changed my website, my um, strategy for online marketing. She's like, mm-hmm. you go to bed and like, you're the most expensive and amazing personal trainer you can get in person, but you can't scale yourself. Like you're just going to work forever if you right. don't have a right. product. I'm like, well, I wrote my book. She's like, there's no money in books unless you sell a billion <laughs> My book did well. Yeah, yeah. But it's like, she's like, you need to figure out ways to hire other coaches and coach the coaches and, and right. do this. And so she was the one that, put in all the work that I'm like, well, I don't have time for that. You're right, but I don't have time. So she sure. built back into my website. She set up my QuickBooks. She set up my marketing without me asking. And then I was like, time after time, like, you're right. You're right. Thank you. I'm like, and I'm just like, she was just right yeah. about it. And I'm like, you saved me so much time and effort, but I would, I didn't ask. And then finally, now I ask her for help on everything. She's like jokes. She's like, yeah, you figured out. And so I have her, <laughs> I have yeah. coaches who coach under me in person and online. And mm-hmm. I have a personal assistant. Yeah. And, we all have a real good thing going. I really, I am still very picky. I won't just hire anybody because mm-hmm. I'm an all or nothing type of guy. So mm-hmm. if I let you in the circle, I have to trust you with my children, with my bank account. Like sure. I, if you're in, you're in. Yeah. It's been very rewarding, but I am quite selective. I'm not just going to hire anybody. Sure. Makes sense. Now that it, that is one of the limiting factors, or at least one of the the challenges with a business where you are the the business, right? I mean, you are the central figure, you know, so, and I'm not even talking from a personal, personal branding standpoint, per se, I'm just talking from you're the one who provides the services, you know, so whether you're a therapist, or an a, even an attorney who has his own practice, his or her own practice, you're, you're it. It's, it's just, it's hard to scale sometimes when, when you're the one bringing the expertise or the, or the personality or the, you know, the, the genius to the, to the table. Um, so would you say you wish you'd done that earlier as far as implemented some of these things that your, your wife has, uh, told you to do, or she implemented for you basically? Yeah. Uh, 100%, 100%. Gotcha. Yeah. I think if I knew that I could have dug myself out of the five-year debt hole in one or two years. Yeah. And uh, I would still say knock on wood, I'm extraordinarily far ahead in life for, for where I'm at with my family. Yeah finances and age and everything. But I also um, have had many anxiety attacks, panic attacks, mm-hmm. uh, kidney stones and things along the way. I could have saved myself a lot of mental mm-hmm. and physical hurt. Um, yeah. Honestly, just simplified my life, just realizing it doesn't have to be this hard. You can work really, really hard, but yeah, you, there are better ways to do it. Sheer grit is awesome. It got me there, but yeah. uh, it paid a lot less of a toll. Sure. No, that's a great, I mean, and I agree. It's a, nothing wrong with working hard. I think it's probably required really for, a, you know, success, at least during a season. I mean, not, not every day forever. Right. But, um, shouldn't be looked down upon, but yeah, that's not the only way to go. I mean, you got to work smart. Like, what's that entrepreneur, that famous quote, I don't know who said it, but an entrepreneur is someone who's willing to do everything it takes now to, or like something that yeah. no one would do now to live a life later that no one could live or, you know what I'm alluding to? Like absolutely work and the effort and do the things that 95% of people won't do so that you can live that special 5% that most people never will. 
Um, Absolutely. It's the, reward, it's the reward for being willing to fail and working hard and not giving up when everything sucks. Yeah, totally. Um, so talk about uh, your, your, your business now and maybe some of the, we've, we've, lo- we've talked a good bit about your adversity. Let's talk about yeah. the, the abundance. I mean, what does it, what does it look like? Um, you know, it, it could be your business or your, your life as a whole, but talk about some of the, you know, the highlights and the achievements that you've been able to, to reach as, uh, in the last few years. Yeah. So, um, I, I made my name in LA, so to speak, I wrote a book and I would be on that. I was like the KTLA fitness go-to, we go to expert Phil Ketchadel to talk about whatever and training yeah. all these famous people. And it was super fun, but I was, I was working on that hamster wheel and we had the opportunity to come up a little over two years ago to move to Atlanta. And I just had this feeling. I'm like, I'm a, I'm a smallish medium fish in a giant pond in LA, but I'm like in in Atlanta, I have the opportunity to be a big fish in a small pond. And my wife was very supportive. And even my ex-wife, she's like, yeah, I'm so tired of LA. It was mid pandemic. So we all moved as two separate families to Atlanta. And I mean, it has been nonstop. So I've been a personal trainer for 17 years, but really it's been 10 years to where I was like, this is my full-time career. Okay. And when I moved to Atlanta, when I moved to Atlanta, I, my niche was very focused. When you're an entrepreneur, I think that's a yeah. huge, you yeah. cast this huge net at some point. But once right. you start saying, hey, I'm catching a lot of this one type of fish. Yeah, pay attention to that. Not, you'd be silly to not focus on that. So yes, absolutely. I, knew my, I knew what my wheelhouse was. I knew who it was. It gave me street cred. It, it made me look cool to be like, I trained so-and-so on this movie and this yeah. TV. But, um, that's not what I wanted to do. Sure. I wanted I wanted to make a difference and uh, I still do it when it comes up hey so and so needs help or they're, they're like I'll do it but I wanted to actually make a difference in people's lives and make yeah. them healthier and happier and transform right. who they are not just look hot for TV. Right so, right I hear you. Yeah I think that there are a couple of points there. One is uh, I've heard a, and I took a, a marketing course last year and it was on it was for Twitter specifically but the guy talked about a rubber he calls it the rubber band approach where to marketing where sometimes you do need to widen your net um you know so you pull that you you stretch the rubber band right and you you it's a bigger net so you're you're speaking to more people and you kind of see who you catch like you just said and then you tighten that rubber band and let it close and um so it's constantly going changing as far as your your uh you know who you're targeting but you do absolutely need to focus on that subset of okay this is this is who I'm really speaking to identify that avatar identify that client um so i think that's a critical point because if you're speaking and trying to speaking to and trying to serve everyone you're you're not serving anyone <laughs> um so yeah I, I love that um now, who are some of the, you know, I know it's, I know it's not necessarily your focus, but who who are some of the bigger names, if you can say, or some of the more successful people you've had the opportunity to train? Yeah. So probably one of my coolest transformations to anyone who's seen um, Shameless, Steve Howey, he's been on TV for like 25 years, but mm-hmm. he was like a tall skinny guy and just got shredded. Um, and then his yeah. ex-wife, Sarah, who was on um, Person of Interest in that huge Netflix show, Sex Life. So Train them as a couple, um, Emily Deschanel, Zoe's sister, uh, Van Jones, like the political oh, slash yeah. lawyer guy. Uh-huh. Yeah. He's nice. Politics. That's awesome. Inside. Um, and yeah. then worked with a lot of musicians, um, All Time Low, who are a, a Maryland band. Okay. Um, all those guys. Yeah. The band. 
Um, yeah, unfortunately, some of the uh, bigger ones I can't name. Sure. But, yeah, I understand. Um, just Tyler Ferguson from Modern Family, like Mitch. Oh, cool. And yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, it's That's it's really very cool. fun, but yeah. No, no. Like you said, it's not the focus and, and, but you know, people like to talk about that and it's, it's a, not, not that you're not interested in it, but it's, I, I get it. Even just back to Nate Costa, very briefly, he, he trained, you know, Cam Newton and a lot of these NFL guys. Yeah. That's cool. And it, it's awesome to talk about, but it's really not his focus. His focus is. Okay, well, yeah. I'm supposed to be with um, a lot of the cast of Stranger Things, the TV show right now. Oh, wow. But because they're on strike, they're not filming. Mm, I so, see. Yeah. Oh, uh, some of the some of the adults there, and I was joking. I was like, "Bring Amelia or whatever." But um, <laughs> yeah, it's fun. But kind of returning yeah. to the question before that. So the business. So my one goal, because I I landed in Atlanta and I was that big fish in the small pond. But yeah. I'm like, okay, I don't. You know, I ta- I harped a little on formerly being Mormon. I'm not religious or spiritual in any sense anymore. But like mm-hmm. the universe, I. Don't, I don't really have any of those, but I do think mm-hmm. life mm-hmm. will keep sending you the same lesson if you don't mm-hmm. learn it, right? Yeah. And I'm like, sure. okay, here in this new town, I have to learn how to really scale what I can scale because otherwise I'm going to be really successful quickly, but it's going to be the same thing. I'm going to be working all the yeah. hours, people one-on-one for an exorbitant hourly rate, and it's going right. to be effective and good, but like, where does it end? When can I right. take So that was my goal. So I, I have three health businesses in one. And I just, I hit the ground running. I'm like, okay, personally, I find fulfillment and I love working with people. So I Mm -hmm. could, my online business could probably be five X bigger if I just did virtual Mm -hmm. coaching. And I do have clients in Dubai and Norway and around the world, Mm -hmm. but I, I'm sorry if you're listening, but I don't like it nearly as much because I don't get the physical energy. I don't get to talk with Mm -hmm. people, you know, get a cop. Hey, how, how was your day? How's your wife and kids? Like I can ask right. them, but I don't get that energy. Yeah. So understood. I made a personal choice. I'm going to train from 6am till noon, let's say, and mm-hmm. really see people have a gym, have a space. I like to be out. I would, I would die in a remote work situation. I want mm-hmm. to see people at work. I want to have a life. Sure. And then I do the second half of my work day about 12 till three, I do 30 minute calls with people around the world talking about nutrition, checking in on blood work, on their exercise. And this is like my high-end coaching that I offer to people around the world, Mm. mostly business executives or busy people who are like, um, you know, I have people, uh, lots of McKinsey guys, lots of doctors, lots of lawyers, uh, Mm. three women at Apple who are like, I just work all the time. And I, you know, so all these different things. So I work six till three in two very connected but distinct businesses different LLCs. and then i'm hanging out with my kids school school gets out from three to eight and then at night i'm uh i trade stocks i have Mm. you know Mm. cryptocurrency people think what they will i got in the game so early that it's Mm -hmm. basically impossible for me to lose Mm -hmm. Uh but yeah Yeah, i wouldn't i wouldn't risk more than 10 percent of any portfolio on it and that's probably generous I do think there's some level of opportunity, but the point sure. just being, I'm a curious person. Even yeah. when I'm not working, I'm working. I'm looking yeah. at something new. Um, right. I'm, I'm looking right now very actively. We're getting investors to start a men's health line, a natural okay. test for all these things. So my hand's always in something. Yeah, yeah. You're a business. Well, you're a business person. You, you were right. You needed to be a business person, but yeah. not for just somebody else. Not for somebody for... else. Exactly. <laughs> I, I just had to be the boss. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No, I think, uh, I mean, that's, 
you know, I totally get, totally get that for sure. Um, that's awesome. I mean, it sounds like your business has really exploded in the last few years and you've made some really intentional decisions, not only with your location, um, and in your network there in, in Atlanta and, and, but also with your time blocking and being intentional with your actual day. I, I love that. That's really good. One thing I want to point out is that you, you can learn new tricks. The, the don't mm. teach or can't teach a, an old dog new tricks. Yeah. I, I, from, from zero to 30, I was a sweet, kind, hardworking guy, but like, I would just fall into the same rut. I was like, work really yeah. hard. Be honest. Honestly, I got used, stepped on all, all the mm. things you can name because mm-hmm. I would just like go the extra mile because like, that was my nature. So finally sure. I'm like, okay, I have to set goals. I have to have yeah. time limits. I have to be able to say no. I right. have to sleep care of right. myself. Like all of the things that you hear that you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah I'll do it later. Later, later never right. comes. <laughs> saying that. Yeah, that's so really good. Me, like, the physical move, I'm not saying anyone listening has to physically move, but for sure. me, I was like, I have no excuse to not kind of not rebrand me as a person. I'm the same person, personality yeah. I've always been. I don't have to work. I, I don't have demands. I don't have responsibilities mm-hmm. of all of these things other than my family. I'm in a new place. I can make my business, my choice, choose my network. I can make my hours. Like I'm not beholden to a schedule that I slowly let beat me down over 10 years in LA. Right. I can make. So I was, yeah. I was intentional in my choices, in my words, intentional in my clients. I would say no to people who were willing to pay money, but I'm like, I don't like your energy or honestly, <laughs> you I don't want to do it. I just don't like, mm-hmm. I just, mm-hmm. I said no more. I yeah. make hard cutoffs. I don't work on Sunday or Saturday afternoon. I'm home with my family. Like all of the things nice. I wanted to do. Turns out I could just do them. And I just wasn't. I wasn't doing what I wanted. Like, well, how silly is that? Right. And you, you, was, you didn't, you didn't I have to wait. Off. Yeah. Yeah. You didn't I have did to wait for the stars I, to align. You could do it now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You have there is no perfect anything ever timing. You just right. can't make it, do it. No, right. Absolutely. And there is a big difference between not not saying you don't work hard now. I know you do. Um, but there's a big difference between, you know, the, the Robert Kiyosaki has the cash flow quadrant and he talks about, you know, people think they're a business owner, but most business owners are really self-employed. They're not act they mm. don't actually own a business. They do technically own a business, but that's a great they're, point. They just have a they just have a really demanding job. Yeah, they're their own boss, but it's really just a job. Um, whereas a true business owner, and I think you've made intentional decisions and moves in the last few years to, you know, move in this direction. That's one of the things with if if you really are self employed, it's hard to sell that business because you are you are the business. So I could never um, sell a personal training business. I can sell right. my online. My mm-hmm. personal business, I go, yeah. even if I handed my clients off to other people, they're like, we're well, here for you. you're not the same person, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's it's one of those counterintuitive was, things. Yeah. A lot of people that don't, newer entrepreneurs, they, they, they don't really, no one's thinking right out of the gate, how am I going to sell this business? They're just thinking, how do I, how do I get to next week? How do I expand the, the business? Well, once you get to the point where you think about selling, uh, that it's a counterintuitive thing where you actually should be less involved in your business if you want to sell that business. Um, so, but um, natural, right? What's that? I'm saying the the golden handcuffs analogy. Oh, yeah, absolutely. To 
tied down and it's great, but you can't leave it. Like I felt like I couldn't go on vacation. I'm my own boss and I can't go on vacation. That's like, (laughs) because I couldn't, I couldn't justify leaving and letting people down and not making the income that week. And then you're not a business. You have a job. Right. Right. Absolutely. So before I get to my rapid fire questions and before we get out of here, Phil, um, what's, who is your, you've mentioned some clients, but who's your ideal client? You have a couple different businesses, but talk about who you, your uh, ideal client really is. Yeah. So my ideal client is someone between 35 and 55. Generally they're either crushing it at work or on their side hustle or something and their family's going well, or, you know, frankly, sometimes not well, and and they need some more self-care, but generally it's someone who's got to a point in their life where they finally have some discretionary income and they realize, man, I've let my health slide. They have some anxiety, depression, or body image issues. They mm-hmm. can, you know, maybe they're pre-diabetic, maybe they have things like that. And so I, I consult with and train these people all around the world who, uh, and not to, to bring it back, I said, I don't love as much. I still love it. I work with people all around <laughs> the world, but I do sure. Zoom. Like I want to know the person. If someone wants to stay anonymous, that's not my person. Mm-hmm. I want to mm-hmm. involved say, Hey, we can make your family life better. We can make your business successful. Like if you feel better, I'll get men to get blood tests. Their testosterone levels are 220. They're Mm. 42 years old. Like that's, that's a 78 year old man. That's not okay. (laughs) I mean, uh, a client who his wife was unable to get pregnant. Turns out it was his fault. We got his testosterone up naturally. Oh, wow. They're baby. Uh, His business income has come up. I'm not taking credit for any of that, but when you get your, it's all related order yeah the roi on having not just now a much longer life than you would have had but yeah. a much better quality of life we call that health span like not just how long you're going to live but sure how long you live feeling well right the quality sure absolutely that's that's my relapse is basically people in my situation married kids been through some crap and you're like hey i don't want to take the long cut or necessarily the shortcut i just want to do what works and build a life that's going yeah. to serve me instead of feeling tired. Like you're trudging every day, low energy, yeah. like doing everything and it's never enough or that your right. body's slowly fading. You wake up with back pain, all these things. Like, yeah, that's my guys. It's just, they know they could be better, but they don't know how, or frankly, sure. they don't have the expertise. Like I am the least handyman on the planet. I can fix <laughs> software computers and bodies. I can't yeah. fix a sink. I'm going to call it a plumber. If yeah. you're like, Hey, yeah. my health is out of whack. And I need someone to motivate me. That, that's what I do. I'm the expert. Got it. Understood. And you're absolutely right. It's all related. I mean, you you know, whether it's if you if you get somebody in better shape and better health and they're feeling better and they own a business, they're only going to be better at their business, better, better as a supervisor, better as a manager, better as a visionary, whatever else it is, better as a as a spouse, as a father, you know. Um so it's all connected for sure. So absolutely. You just you just personally focus on the the fitness and health side of things. And then there are ancillary benefits elsewhere. So I love it. It's fantastic. Um, are you ready for some rapid fire questions, Phil? All right. I'm excited for this part. All right, let's do this. So what is one thing that people misunderstand about you? Oh, definitely. Uh it's a tagline in my bio. I have I'm have kept it somewhat conservative, but I'm pretty tattooed up. Um, I am quite often branded as a bro or a meathead and, uh, and such a nerd. My bio says I have the outsides of a grizzly bear and the insides of a Japanese anime girl. My dad died when (laughs) I was raised by my mom and sisters. Mm. So, Mm -hmm. uh, 
Yeah. I like got the big scary outsides, but I love speaking languages, cooking, and being a super academic nerd that reads history for no reason and understands the political system of countries I've never even been to. That's probably the, <laughs> I, my outsides are a, a facade yeah. for how soft inside. Got it. Got a hard candy shell, but not really. <laughs> um, yeah. You can't judge a book by its cover. Um, what is, uh, what's one of your biggest failures or regrets? We've talked about a lot of the adversity you, you've been, you've been through, but you know, if you had to do, if you got the uh, the chance to do something over, what would that be? I would say as a very frequent theme in my life, up until two years ago, um, I had never asked for help in my business and I had never been to therapy despite having cancer, losing a father, getting divorced, um, asking, I, because of what happened in my childhood, I thought I can do it and be like mm. hard and be yeah. intense. Um, right. And, I could take care of everybody. Like I'm supposed to be the Superman. And yeah. then I, and I just uh, inevitably ended up letting people and myself down because you mm -hmm. can't do it. And it's a, right. it's a illusion. If you're there like, Oh, he's wrong. I can't like, mm, no chances are toe to toe. I could uh, outmatch <laughs> anything, you know, and yet yeah. still humbled. So you still need help. You, yeah. Isn't in one particular instance, but, and basically yeah. at least a full decade of my twenties and really up into my, late teens when I first became aware, like, oh man, I could use some help or like someone to talk to and someone to turn to and like, yeah, never asking for it and probably causing years more, uh, financial, physical, emotional pain, probably hurting others. Um, sure. I'm not, I don't have an angry or violent bone in my body, but just being like, mm -hmm. just so cut off or so focused on one thing that I missed all the other things. Sure. Um, and so, yeah, asking for help and being a little more open earlier in life would have been a big benefit. Sounds like, uh, cause my next question is if you could give your 18 year old self some advice, what would that be? It sounds like that would be, yeah. you teed that, that one up for me. <laughs> Ask for help and listen more, talk less. Love that. It's really good. If you could have coffee with any historical figure, you mentioned meeting people over coffee, uh, who would you choose and why? Um, yeah, if I've heard that also rewarded, you know, Emotional answer, if I could bring him back to my dad, because I have too few memories. Historical sure. figure, um, probably Jesus, only because although not religious anymore, whether mm -hmm. or not fine, not real, whatever, it's mm -hmm. shaped so much of human history and my own personal life. I'm like, I got so many questions for you, man. <laughs> and if the that's question. off the table, yeah. then something yeah. fun, like... Um, who, I don't know. I think George Washington would be cool. Sure. Like... Absolutely. I'm a Canadian, but being here and now American citizen, like somebody who yeah. just, I'm going to found a whole new country. <laughs> he, he wasn't even much of a talker. Everyone just respected him so much. They're just like, he's the leader. Like he just had this quiet power. And I feel Aura. like I have a very uh, exuberant charm, but I talk too much and I'm trying to do that. Listen more thing. But George <laughs> Washington, from all I've That's read, good. he just thinks like the man. Yeah, absolutely. Phil, if you were given $10 million tomorrow, what would you do with it? Oh, hands down, my mom, I would buy her the flat in uh, by the Thames in London that she's always dreamed of, but flats mm. on the Thames in London start at like 4 million. So wow. you can have the house of her dreams first because she has been through hell and never complained and helped us. Um, it sounds so cheesy, but yeah, having been so close to death so many times, yeah. um, every person in my family that doesn't own a house, I'm not saying a fancy mansion, but I would buy everyone a house paid in mm. cash 
so that no matter what happens, they have somewhere to live with their kids, um, including ourselves. We're going to buy a house this year, but we've always just rented, always invested mm -hmm. and stuff. Mm -hmm. Never. So I'd buy yeah. houses for everyone, have a few million left, um, put it mostly in some annuity, invest it, be mm. stupid responsible, take the trip of our dreams to reward ourselves because, hey, we might die tomorrow and take my whole family to the Maldives. But otherwise, yeah, invest it and live off the dividends. Love it. So that's a very, that's a, I don't know if you, I don't think you were ready for that question, but it sure felt like it. <laughs> I thought um, this, I was almost on the amazing race once. So I'm like, what will I do okay. with millions even more? Yeah, absolutely. Um, what is a challenge? Actually, I'm, since you're a fitness and health guy, what is one meal that you, uh, if you had to pick one meal for the rest of your life, what would that be? Oh, probably steak, steak and mashed potatoes. Steak. Yeah. Awesome. What is a, a challenge that you're facing in your business right now? Um, finding the right people to keep getting more coaches mm -hmm. um, and fending off the saturation of AI absolutely ruining the mm. touch to the fitness and wellness industry. Interesting. Um, yeah. AI, talk training. about that for... Sorry, talk about that for a second. I'm sorry to cut you off, but I'm curious because, you know, AI is obviously not going away. Um, we've embraced it for certain things in our businesses, but yeah, how how has it affected the the training and fitness industry? So it is, of course, it's always listening, the algorithm, right? On your, <laughs> so I will get barrage. <laughs> if you're a coach in the fitness industry, making six figures, you want to make seven, eight, nine figures, our AI copy will generate LinkedIn posts, Instagram, YouTube, like it's a content yeah. machine. It's writing yeah. articles, SEO, it's making videos, it's doing all this. And it's yeah. also, people are using it and chat GPT to write exercise programs mm. and diet plans for people. Mm. And yeah. I've actually, it's been a great niche for me because I plaster all over my Instagram now. Yeah. I promise you every piece of content, every interaction, even the people DMing you. I have a, my assistant Hadley is DMing. It's not a, it's mm. not a, mm -hmm. I'm my brand on personal training. Mm -hmm. this yeah. Person out of it. I'm not saying it's not useful for like high scale 999 things, but like a high ticket offer where what I'm selling is truly a service of like, sure for my time because what if your left knee hurts or what if you tore your labrum you're not like it's yeah. not gonna hurt. what if you ask for a program and turns out you hate fish you won't eat broccoli and you don't like i'm right i'm here to give you the best version of what you want and yeah. meet you you tell me what you tell me what you want and what you need and i'll listen to you and then as the expert i'll tell you what to do but the sure. robot do that so yeah I think it's really useful for some stuff but if, if the human element's not there um right most people who want a trainer want somebody to care and be accountable to and they won't feel that if it's just a robot they will not sure. feel that absolutely couldn't agree more yeah i do a little bit of mentorship on the side for uh node investors and you know a lot of sometimes they want advice or, or a plan right out of the gate and it's like no, I don't even know you at all. I need to listen. I need to learn. I need to know where you're coming from and where you're headed first before I can just prescribe this is what you should do. Um, so I love that. Um, what is, uh, if you could start another business tomorrow, what would that be? That's a great question. Um, probably some sort of food type business. I feel like nutrition still escapes everyone. Mm -hmm. 
sure what it would be there's too many yeah. of these companies now yeah um, but something to do with like healthy food or deliveries or maybe a protein company but one that's not just crap sugar and fake stuff like delivering a product that is truly useful got it awesome so phil catch it all um where can people reach out to you online yeah thankfully no other Phil's claimed it yet. So I'm at trained by Phil on everything. Um, awesome. Instagram, Instagram, I'm highly responsive. My biggest takeaway and piece of advice is again, do something you do for free. I do Q and A for free every Monday. I answer dozens of questions. People DM me. It's always me or it's Hadley saying, Hey, Phil, we'll get back to you. Um, mm-hmm. So at trained by Phil on Instagram, trained by Um, I do consultations. I look at everything, the team, we go over it all. And then people who want to train, same thing. So yeah, my Instagram or my website, everything is trained by Phil. And awesome. you respond to every single message. Perfect. So before we get out of here, you mentioned your book. What's the title of your book? The book is called Just Your Type, The Ultimate Guide to Eating and Training for Your Body Type. And just awesome. like it sounds like if you and your friend started the exact same diet and nutrition plan, you'd have wildly different results. Sure. Because so this book explains how to be your own trainer nutritionist how to work with your body instead of against it love that and and i promise we are wrapping up but what's one other book you could recommend for our listener whether it's for entrepreneurs or just life in general okay um two and they're wildly different one atomic habits by james clear Mm -hmm. uh dry it's a great one it's really good it's very unlikely you'll implement all of it, but if you even do 10% of it, your life will be infinitely better. It has helped me immeasurably. Uh, the 1% rule, the habit stacking, I, I uh, paraphrase and utilize. I always give him credit, but that book is um, the best yeah. habit book ever. And then maybe classic Dale Carnegie, like seven ways mm-hmm. to people or whatever that one is. But um, yeah, was that Stephen Covey? I'm thinking Stephen Covey. How yeah. to influence people. That's right. Dale Carnegie. Exactly. Yeah. Um, if you are going to be an entrepreneur, my personal opinion is that no skill is more important than sales skills. And mm-hmm. some people have it naturally, some don't, but everyone can learn it. And learning how yeah. to communicate and get more leads and get more business is everything. And yeah. if you don't have that, you can be okay, but you're never going to be big stakes. And so yeah. learning how to be a people reader um, sure. is. No, absolutely. And and I couldn't agree more with sales, marketing, all of that. It's so important, especially sales. Um, you know, and the, the fact is, I know some people c- approach from the outside, they think of oh, sales and marketing is, you know, is slimy or, you know, because there are some slimy salespeople out there, let's be honest. But um, the fact is, if you believe in what you're selling, you have a, you actually have a responsibility to get out there and sell it. Yeah. I mean, it, it's not think- fair to, I mean, it's not fair for you, Phil, to hold back on the benefit that these people could be experiencing if if you're not out there selling it. Yeah. So, yeah. And I feel the same way about that. It's like, if you believe in it and it's what you do and it's who you are, you're not really even selling it. You're just being you and the right people will come. And, you know, the other people who don't, you're not your people. There's enough, you can get as niche as you want and you have enough people to sell to. Fantastic. Well, Phil, this has been really good. Thank you so much. Um, is there anything else you want to cover before we get out of here? 
I think that's great. It's been a pleasure to be on here. Super fun and uh, hopefully uh, excited to engage with some of the listeners on here. I think entrepreneurship is for the for the bold. I love it. I love people who want uh, to create the things they're passionate about or to build themselves and their businesses. Absolutely. The the show is for people who want to take ownership of their their life and their financial situation. And you've definitely done that, Phil. You've definitely uh, faced some real serious adversity along the way. And I'm thankful that you're now living in a, in abundance, not that you're never going to face a hard day or a trial again, but um, I do appreciate you joining us on the show and being vulnerable. So thanks for your time. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. And to the listener out there, uh, don't forget to check out our website, Adversity to Abundance, the number two, adversitytoabundance.com. And speaking of books, we have a book coming out very soon as well. So stay tuned for that. Uh, Phil, thanks a lot. And to the listener out there, thank you for spending your most valuable resource with us. And that is your time. Thanks, everyone. Take care. Investors. Have you ever experienced challenging communication or the headache of tracking taxes and insurance? Meet BiFi, a loan servicing company founded by investors for investors. With an expert team and best-in-class vendors, BiFi will partner with you to service your loan from start to exit. Visit BiFiLS.com to see how you can get started today. That's B-I-F-I-L-S.com. Thank you for spending your most valuable resource with us, your time. If you like the show, please share it with your friends and fellow podcast listeners. One entrepreneur at a time, we can change the world. See you next time. Hey, everyone. This is Jamie Bateman. Real quickly, I wanted to share with you something uh, that's been pivotal in the growth and success of my businesses, and that is my partnership with Haven Financial Services. Um, I've been working with Haven for over a year now. Christine Valdez was on episode 70 of this podcast. So go check that out if you want to hear her story. It was a fantastic personal story for sure. But Haven has been awesome. They provide me with monthly reports that are super clear and discernible. And that provides me with clarity and focus so that I can do what I do best, which is running my businesses, not preparing financial reports. Um, Again, if you're in the market for a top-notch financial service company, uh, or if you just want to check one out, go to www.jamiebateman slash Haven and check out Haven Financial Services. Again, that's jamiebateman slash Haven. Uh, can't recommend them enough. Christine and her team have been fantastic. So I definitely recommend you check out Haven Financial Services at www.jamiebateman forward slash Haven. Let's get back to the show.